Let's pray. <clears throat> and so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We thank you for your word because it is food, it is life, it is light. I pray that your spirit will guide my words that first and foremost they will bring glory to you. And I pray that your spirit will take your word and impact the life of God into the hearts of the people. I pray that you will speak to us where we are at. We have different needs and we look to you. I thank you for your son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. I do have PowerPoint, so just in case you're wondering, but it will come on soon. But I have a question. So who do you think was the most successful man or person or woman or whoever in the Old Testament? Moses? Solomon. Abraham, you are, this is what you think. It doesn't matter, so just be bold, say it. Solomon. Solomon. David. David. Yeah, okay. And Joshua? Did you say who else? Noah. Noah, yeah. He was a successful man. And Joseph was a successful man. It's all true, you know, depending on your viewpoint. So, but today I want to speak on the one that we probably look at from the world perspective and say he was the most successful man. His name is Solomon. All right, so like on fire on the, the PowerPoint. Spam Sunday. So I, normally I don't speak on the Old Testament. I haven't spoken on the Old Testament for a long time. So, but I think this is what God wants us to hear. Solomon, can we see that? Ecclesiastes chapter 6. I, I remember as a young man, when I got into university, I was, um, I was ushered to one of the fellowships, uh, one of the meetings, and the man of God was speaking. Uh, Nigerians will know him. He's uh, Kumuyi. I cannot forget Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and 2 when he spoke about Solomon. Because Solomon said things like, whatever my heart desired, I did not withhold. Said things like, I made me great houses. Uh, in the old King James Version, you know, if my heart wanted this, I got everything that I wanted. But when I look back, it seems like my life was wasted. Because the book of Ecclesiastes tells us something about the life of Solomon as a person. 
And so when it comes to chapter 6, chapter 12, I believe the last chapter, Solomon gives us an advice. So this is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. So I'm going to talk to how to avoid life as a dead end street. You know, when you go to a street and it's dead end, you are going nowhere. So Solomon. So these are my main lessons because I don't want you to forget. I might go on tangent and ramble all over the place, but it's good to remember the main thing because these are the main things I want you to go on with. Uh, if I had had time to prepare this, it would be come on one at a time, but didn't have time to animate it, so you have all the lessons. The first one, God must be given first place in your life, in my life. It's not an option, it's a must. If you want to succeed in life, God must be given first place. The second one, he must be at the center of our lives. You can't exclude God from your life, the Lord Jesus, and hope to succeed. It's a dead end street if the Lord Jesus is not at the center of your life. You are going nowhere. The third one, the major pursuit in life, what you should be chasing after in life, what should motivate you in life is to know God. I'm sure there are many other pursuits. You can pursue money and get very rich. That's something. You can pursue wisdom and become you know, loaded with all kinds of information and knowledge. But if you exclude God, knowing God from all of these pursuits is a waste of time. In fact, we can tell you what the end is without waiting for it. If God is not, knowing God is not your major pursuit. And uh, ultimately, life's ultimate response to life, the you know, ultimate response to life is loving God. That's, that's what we're meant for, to love God. And satisfaction comes only by vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. People think, you know, we get satisfaction. If I get more of this, more of that, I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied. It's so transient and so temporary that you find out that it just fades and goes away. So, Solomon, let's... Ecclesiastes chapter 6 is what at least I want to look at. So those are my main lessons. I don't want you to forget Knowing God, our main pursuit. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. The Lord says, I'm reading from the NET version. Wise people should not boast that they are wise. Even God understands that some people are wiser than others. But he says they shouldn't boast. Powerful people. So, so I, I have to apologize. When it's in red, it doesn't mean it's the words of Jesus. It was, uh, the time I prepared this slide, I just wanted to highlight things, so sometimes I put them in red. It doesn't mean the words of Jesus. So don't read it that way, okay? So wise people should not boast that they are wise. 
Powerful people should not boast that they are powerful. Rich people should not boast that they are rich. If people want to boast, they should boast about this. This is what you should boast about. They should boast that they understand and know me. They should boast that they know and understand that I, the Lord, act out of faithfulness. God is faithful. Fairness and justice in the earth and that I desire people to do these things. So the Lord knows that he has made some people wiser than the others. He gave them the wisdom. And some people are in position of power. And some people are rich. I can assure you that Solomon had all of these things overflowing. He was wise. He was powerful. He was rich. But it didn't end well. And so for me and for you, if you are one of those that is endowed with wisdom, don't boast. And if you have power or riches or wealth, it's not wise to boast in any of these things. And if you want to boast, you should boast that you know God. So, knowing God, our main pursuit. Apostle Paul, who was a great man of wisdom, said this. In Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me? This I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And in Galatians chapter 6. He says, but God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. You can see that this spelling error there, that means my wife didn't read this before it showed up. Usually she will edit, she will do all the cleanup of that. So that's what happened. Now I notice it now as I'm reading. But it's clear, you know. So... If you want to boast, you should boast in the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. And uh, knowing God, knowing God in an intimate way, in a personal way, should be our main pursuit in life. Loving God. Our ultimate response to life. And so, when Moses was writing, he said this to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can see what I'm doing this morning. I'm reading scriptures. That's mostly what I'm doing, reading the word of God. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. We are speaking to the fathers and mothers. You shall teach them diligently to your children. 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Loving God should be our ultimate response to life. And uh, I believe somebody read this morning, John chapter 17. This is life eternal, to know God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So that should be our ultimate response to life. And Jesus said this when the young man spoke. He said, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. Solomon chapter 6. So we are back to Solomon. In Solomon chapter 6, we read, verse 1. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is prevalent among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that his souls lack nothing of all that he desires. Yet, God has not empowered him to eat from them, for a foreigner enjoys them. This is vanity and a severe affliction. Now, maybe if you don't know, I will probably let you in. Solomon was writing this Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. And I think some of the things he's writing applies to Solomon himself and others. So what he's saying is this. God, wealth without enjoyment, enjoyment is common among the affluent. I'm sure sometimes you look at the people that are very rich. And say, oh, if only was, I was like Elian Musk or Bill Gates, or whoever you want to mention, life would just be great. And Solomon says, hmm, you should thank God that you are not of those people. Because it's not guaranteed that they are enjoying wealth. He says, God is the giver of life and of all gifts. We know that. Riches, wealth, honor, ability to enjoy. All of those things come from God. So, the person in this story that Solomon is talking about seemed to have had it made. But the verse brings back the theme of Ecclesiastes, which is life is vanity without God. So, he saw this evil prevalent, and he probably experienced it because he left God behind. How did Solomon start? In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, on that night, when he became king, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, there's a lot more that he says. But this is what he requested from God. Now, give me 
wisdom and knowledge. That I may go out and come in before these people. For who can judge these great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. He had it made. Because he started with God, asking God for wisdom and knowledge. So he asked God, give me wisdom, give me knowledge, give me the ability to be able to judge your people rightly. And God responded by saying, you haven't asked for riches or wealth. You haven't asked for the life of your enemies. So I'm going to give you what you've asked, and I'm going to give you more. Solomon was extremely rich. I, I believe in my headspace, he was the all-rounded man that had everything. There are people that are very rich or have no wisdom. There are many. There are those who have lots of brain, but cash is scarce. They don't have it. And there are those who are in position of authority, and they have no wisdom. So, but Solomon had all of this. If you need to read his story to realize that God endowed him with all of these abilities. So this is how he started. He started well by going to God and leaning on God. But he did not continue well because he abandoned God. So, an unselfish request. And God granted him additional blessings. I've said that. And because he was blessed, he probably ignored God. I live in North America, and I find it fascinating that we, that will include me, who are extremely blessed in so many ways, are most likely to push God aside. We are blessed compared to the rest of the world, very blessed. And so when you talk to people in North America, it's like, God who? Who needs him? What does he know? And I, I find it really, really challenging that if in the midst of the blessing, we hang on to the blessing and we forget the one that gives the blessing. That can be your situation and my situation if we are not careful. And so we need to be careful. So, God did not give him satisfaction because he ignored God. God did not cause him to enjoy the benefits of riches and wealth and honor. I just, I mean, if you have never read Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and 2, I implore you to read it. Because Solomon is telling his story of his wealth, of his wisdom, and all of those things, and yet there is no satisfaction because he left God out. 
So, the situation. Let's read again. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is prevalent among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that his souls lack nothing of all that he desires. Yet, God has not empowered him to eat from them, for a foreigner enjoys them. This is vanity and a severe affliction. Foreigners in this case may signify an adversary or an enemy. It could signify other ailments. It could signify that the Lord has empowered you with all kinds of riches, all kinds of wealth, but within the confines of the home, there's always conflict. There's always fight, and so you, there's really no peace. It could be natural calamity. It could be natural disaster. But I want you to note that God is the giver of the riches and the ability to enjoy. That's why knowing God, knowing God should be our ultimate pursuit in life. So it could be any of those. You could put in any of those. It could be. But Solomon did notice that riches and wealth have been given, and yet the ability to enjoy was not given because God didn't give the person. I am suspecting strongly that the man is talking about himself because he left God in the cup. He started well asking God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom, gave him riches, gave him wealth. But once he acquired those things, it was God, we will talk to you later. He grabbed the gift and he forgot the God. Don't do that. Knowing God is our ultimate pursuit. A portrait of Solomon's life. So ultimately we must find our joy. Not in what God gives, but in who God has given. I want to say that again. A believer should find his joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the reason we come on Sunday mornings to remember him. We want to kind of, you know, make sure we bring it back to our mind that the Lord Jesus is the ultimate source of joy. We shouldn't find our joy and satisfaction in things because they will not satisfy. This is a verse to remember. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Always. When things are good or seem good or when things are bad, when things are neutral, don't leave the Lord behind. A few helpful details. So Solomon provides more. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, however many they may be, but his soul is not satisfied with good things 
and he does not even have a proper burial, then I say, better the miscarriage than he. For it comes in futility and goes into obscurity, and its name is called in obscurity. It never sees the sun, and it never knows anything. It is better off than he. Even if the man lives a thousand years twice and does not enjoy good things, do not all go to one place. All a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage does this wise man have over the fool? What advantage does this poor man have knowing how to walk before the living? The point he's trying to make is this. This man, this man in this picture, is an earthling, a man that is only living on substitutes on earth and he has left God behind. God is not in his picture, but there's a lot of blessing that God has bestowed upon this man. He cannot enjoy it because he has left God behind. That's the point he's trying to make. And that's why God must be at the center of our life. Knowing God, our ultimate pursuit in life and loving God should be our ultimate response. Anybody and Everybody that leaves God behind ultimately ends up in futility. A portrait of his life. He's talking about himself. Add more children. You all know that Solomon had how many wives? 700 to start. And 1,000. You know, many wives. So he was pursuing something. He was hoping that there would be satisfaction from his pursuit. And he probably had many children. Had more years. He probably was pursuing that at hard work. Some people feel, you know, if I just work hard, if I put in more hours at work, I will get full satisfaction. It doesn't, without God in the picture. Or add a brilliant mind, wisdom, and a good education. If I get more degrees... God is not against this hard work. It's not against hard work. It's not against degrees. It's not against any of those things. But when God is left behind, left out of the picture, the pursuit is vanity and futility. And so we must be mindful of this. I'm saying this. I don't know why I, I was drawn to this message this morning. Because I know that there are a lot of energetic young people with brilliant minds and abilities, which God has endowed them, and they're probably going to be pursuing life in all its facets. Never forget, don't leave God behind. Knowing God is our major pursuit in life. Then Solomon adds this, what the eyes see is better than what the soul desire. This too is futility and a striving after the wind. One of the best ways to teach is to repeat the same thing over and over again. The main points. Because I don't want you to fall. I don't know. I probably have gone on rabbit holes in my message. But these are the main points. To have a fruitful and satisfying life, God, the Lord Jesus, must be given first place. Second, 
He must be at the center of our lives. We can't leave him behind. Our major pursuit in life is knowing God. Our ultimate response to life is loving God. And satisfaction comes only by vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls, he says it, living water. So, now, one more observation by Solomon. Whatever exists has already been named, and it is known what man is, for he cannot dispute with him who is stronger than he is. For there are many words which increase futility. What then is the advantage to a man? This is what he's saying. God is sovereign. He's in control. Mankind, no matter how brilliant, no matter how powerful, no matter how successful they are, they are not sovereign. They are not in control. Disputing with God or arguing with God is a waste of time. And I tell you, in this part of the world, there are so many people that waste time arguing with God. You know, saying, if God knew this, if God was so wise, if God was so powerful, why didn't he do this? And then you look at it and say, you are wasting time because God is not answerable to you. He's the only one that is sovereign and is in control. So, disputing with God is pure waste of time. For who knows what is good for a man during his lifetime? During the few years of his future life, he will spend them like a shadow. For who can tell a man what will be after he's under the sun? So the question is, does life seem futile? You hear people say, I'll be happy. I'll be fulfilled if only I marry. If only I have a big house, a big car. If only I own uh, a ranch. Is that, is that what they call it, ranch? A big mansion. That will make me happy. I'll be fulfilled. If only I had a great job where I'm the director or the boss. That will give me satisfaction. If only add them after. At all the if-onlys. Solomon had all of this to overflowing. But he left God out of the picture and there was no satisfaction. And so if only, none of these conditions will give you what you want. So it's hard to believe, uh, hard to think, you know, that this is, this is the, you know, this is not the case. But it is. The people that say, if only, if only, if only, and then they leave God out, they are making a mistake because God gives you the ability to enjoy. And owning things in whatever facet without God will only end in futility. Solomon found it out the hard way, and that's why he put it down for us to learn so that we will not repeat his mistakes. He owned lots of houses, I said he had how many wives? 700. He had how many mansions, building projects. In fact, he increased taxes so much because he was on a mission to build that when he died and his son took over, the men rebelled. You know, said, you know, your father was taxing us too much because he's building projects and all the projects he was doing, you know, we had to pay for all of this. So we are no longer going to pay, please, his things. 
Of course, Rehoboam didn't listen, and you know what happened. So my point is this. Solomon has passed through all of this experience of owning many things, of having lots of wisdom, of having all the things we aspire and acquire to get, and he has gone through all of that, and because he left God out, he discovered that it was all futile. So we don't have, you know, to at least learn some of these things from experience. We can learn from his experience that God must be at the center of our lives. For who knows what is good for a man during his lifetime, during the few years of his future life, he will spend them like a shadow. For who can tell a man what will be after him? Under the sun. That's the key term. Under the sun. The Lord God was left out of his life, and Solomon learned the hard way that life without God is meaningless. Are you fearful about the future? Is your house on a rock or sand? Jesus speaks. Knowing God, a major pursuit in life, loving God, our ultimate response. So Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And then he came to the conclusion of his message. Normally it's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's the title. And this was the conclusion. He said these words, Therefore, whoever hears this saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a, ma- a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears this saying of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, And the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. He was giving an extended preaching or sermon, and then he concluded. That was the Lord Jesus in Matthew. He concluded with these words. You have to agree with me that Solomon asked God for wisdom. And God gave him, and gave him more. But Solomon left God behind. And he had all the blessings, but he could not enjoy them. And so Jesus is speaking here that hearing God's word and doing them is what counts. Not just hearing Not just hearing. The act of hearing, you can listen to it on media and play it. You can pick your favorite preacher and it will give you the message. It's not just hearing, but hearing and doing it. So it is 
important to hear the word of God and do it. How can we have satisfying lives? God must be given first place. That's a direct message to those who have not submitted their life to the Lord Jesus. You will not have satisfaction in life, in this life, or in the life to come. Because if you have excluded God and his word, you are on a dead-end street. The road to nowhere. And that's why the Lord Jesus says this. You that has excluded God must be born again. If you are not born again, the future is not bright for you. It doesn't matter how many houses, how many cars, whether you become the next uh, ruler of the whole world, or whether you be, whatever title or whatever, whether you have the brilliant mind, the most brilliant, it really doesn't matter. Because God is excluded. The author of all those things is excluded. So it doesn't matter all of that. If the Lord is not at the center, you are not born again, you are on a dead end street. And so I plead with you, if you are not a Christian, if you are not born again, that you should examine your life and come to know the Lord. It's extremely important. Like uh, my brother John said this morning from John chapter 17, verse 3, this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So if you don't give first place to God by surrendering your life to God, acknowledging that you are a sinner, you are on a dead end street. So, but if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's also possible to put him on pack. You get a little bit of him on Sunday morning. And then the rest of the week, you are on your own. He doesn't want to be the one that is your Lord on Sundays. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, at home, on the road, or wherever you are, you are at the center of your life. He wants to be at the center. And that means continuous fellowship with him and talking to him. And life's major pursuit is knowing God. Knowing God from the heart. Knowing God. That's our major pursuit in life. And our ultimate response is to love God. When we do this, we will have satisfaction. It's guaranteed that we will have satisfaction. So, and if you want to boast, as is written there, boast in this. I know God. I know God. I boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Quite frankly, when you know the Lord and you are walking with him, there's really no place for boasting. Because you know that you are dependent on God. One of the great, um, I've forgotten the name, and I don't want to open my iPad to look at it. 
one of the uh, great uh, football, you know, the American football heroes, was told, uh, or somebody told one, they said, are you ready for the great one? That's the Super Bowl, right? That's the great one. Uh, there might be a Canadian equivalent of what the great game is, but I think it's Super Bowl. So, and he looked at it and said, he said, are you ready, you know, going to be successful at the great match? I looked at it and said, he said, if it's really that great, and it's the great one, why do we have to keep doing it every year? If it's the great one. Because in life, the only person that is great is God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gave his life for you and me. And I want to challenge you this morning, especially young people. You don't want to come to the end of the road or the end of your life and say, it's all been wasted. That's what Solomon said. Actually, it was Ecclesiastes. It's Solomon's regrets on how he wasted his life. You want to finish well, like Paul would say, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, I have finished well. May the Lord grant us the grace to walk with him so that we will have satisfaction in life. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that your spirit will take your word and apply it to our lives, my life included, so that I will make Jesus the one I love, the one I pursue, the one I embrace, so that he alone will be at the center and pursuit of my life. Help me, Lord, and help everyone here that is a believer that the Lord Jesus will be number one. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let's go ahead.